You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Wednesday, and in these episodes, Sangram and myself, James Carberry, focus on personal development. We'll share books and other resources that are helping us get a little bit better every single day. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here, and welcome to another episode of Flip My Phone Podcast. I'm joined here with Trisha, who's the CEO of Belay Solutions. So real quick, I know the early owners of Belay Solutions for a while. They have been on the show a few times, and I, I've been using personally, like Amy, who works with me for like, I think, two and a half years now. I've been using their services for a while. It's been fantastic. I'm sure Trisha will share more about it. But I have, Trisha and I have done a few episodes together, a few conversations. And what I've always struck to me interesting, and I hope this brings a lot more clarity for people, is that the fact that this is her first CEO gig. She, she's a CEO mm-hmm. of one of the fastest growing companies in the world. They have been known, very well known, uh, as the place where remote work is celebrated even before remote work was a thing. Uh, <laughs> and and they've done it all along. And it's been fantastic to see how they they have grown. So Trisha, I want to welcome you to the show, and I'm grateful to share experiences with you. Yes, thank you. I am excited to be here and talk to you guys about what this journey has been like, and it's an honor to spend this morning with you. All right, so let's walk through. Tell us first and foremost, we talk about this as a shared experience. Like, What is the one fun fact or embarrassing fact or something that you haven't really shared much publicly? Oh, gosh, this is a really hard one. So I would say an interesting fact about me is that is maybe my taste in music. So I love gangster rap music. I am I am jamming to the new Kanye album. I love Jay-Z. I I. Oddly enough, just have an affinity to rap music. Oh my goodness. So do you play like in full blast in the car? I do. I'm like, yeah, I'm in the car with the windows down. You know, my kids who are teenagers think it's slightly cool and half embarrassing. So my my stepson's always like, I feel like you're too old to be listening to that type of music. Yeah. that's you're you're, you're driving into the school <laughs> driveway and like you got a rap going on. Everyone looking at you and you're like, I, do. I, don't know. I love it. And then on the flip side, if I'm not listening to rap, I'm listening to like spa. <laughs> so I go from one, I'm either rapping out or I have the spa channel on Amazon music. <laughs> so those are my two go-tos. That is fantastic. So let me ask you this as, <laughs> as you follow up, because we're going to very quickly jump into your journey. Yeah. CEO and and the time it took did you always want it to be that did you or did you imagine it to be or you didn't you didn't really care about that and it just happened like it, a lot of people have these questions because yeah. some people are more intentional and get there and some people are more intentional about the work they're doing and get there so there's there's a way to do it but let me ask you this are you a dreamer which means you you, you mm-hmm. think things you're kind of visioning vision casting in it or are you a driver which is like you care about the results or you're so focused about it that you just go and achieve. And so you're a high achiever, which allowed you to be there. Or the third one is a doer, 
which is someone who is like the highest level of integrity. And people would say, you know what, mm. whenever there is something to be get done, we know we can come to Trisha and she will get it done. So there's a trust factor that surpasses almost everything mm. that anybody else could do. So are you a dreamer? Are you a driver? Are you a doer? You know, I think current state, I, I really am a driver, but I used to be a doer. Mm. And so there's been an evolution from, and that's part of how my career has accelerated because you can't be the doer and then also be the leader. Yeah. There has to be like an evolution into stepping out of being the doer and letting others being the doer so you can be the leader. And so I've, I've kind of stepped out of, I had to learn how to not be a doer and be a driver, but there's also a component when you're, you know, the head of an organization, you have to be a dreamer because you have to be able to cast vision about where you're going to go. So I think it's, it's like a step-by-step process or an evolution where I've been from one into the other and headed into another, if that makes sense. It it totally does. And, And the reason I bring that up is because a lot of people think that in order to be at a role that you are in, you have to be a born dreamer. And, and, and we have almost put like, you know, Steve Jobs of the world and others to say, well, look at that. They're great at vision casting and Mark Benioffs of the world and say, that's what it takes to be. And for the most part, 99% of the organizations we would never hear about, and they're super successful. And I think Belay is one of those. And I don't think any of the folks that led the organization before you were even that, like they were not out Mm -hmm. there in the world just making crazy stuff around they were just getting the job done and they were doing it very well and they were very thoughtful in some ways almost introvert of an organization but did it so well that they were always clued to the customers they were always glued to the 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 team that they work with and i'll have i'm starting to see this emergence of like we need to celebrate the drivers and the doers who actually get mm-hmm. there because the dreamers are the one who, who, who make all the noise, but the drivers and doers are actually the companies that are 99% of the successful companies, but they don't make noise out in the world. They just make noise with their customers and then with their teams. And Europe, you and your organization is a great example of that. Thank you. Yeah, I think that if you don't have great drivers and doers, you can have a dream that goes nowhere. Yes. And so that's that's the thing is like you can be a dreamer and entrepreneur and have great ideas. But at the end of the day, like the rubber has to meet the road and you have to you need the drivers and the doers to make that dream a reality. And that was kind of like the beginning of what my career looked like is that, you know, the the owners of the organization had a dream about how we could provide remote services And I was, you know, the rubber meeting the road because organically I'm kind of just the driver around the doer. So I've always leveraged my ability to turn a dream into reality to help drive my career year over year and kind of take those incremental baby steps to accelerate to kind of get to the next level by being the driver and the doer of all the things. So the dream has to become reality somewhere. Somewhere along the way. Somewhere along the way. Somebody's got to put the plan in action and execute on it well. And somebody has to have that, have to have that focus and the ability to kind of take that and convert it into reality. So, so Tricia, walk us through, when did you start with Belay and, and your journey that took you to see like how, how many years, what different roles yeah. you might have taken on, what challenges you you faced along the way. Because this is the part. Everybody has this, yeah. this feeling of like, you know, 
I wish I could start a company and 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 that's one way to become the CEO of the company. And there are a lot of solo yeah. entrepreneurs who are <laughs> founder, CEO, doer, driver, dreamer, all yeah. at the same time. But you followed a a, a specific path to 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 be there and, and you are there now. So walk us through that journey. Yeah. So I started with Belay in 2010 at startup. I had worked with the owners before. I had just quit a high profile career I had in retail management and moved because I wanted to not be doing the grind. And I wanted to find some kind of work where I could work from home, work remote, have flexibility, be a mom, all the things which I was not getting. So then I met the owners and founders of Belay and started very part-time with them as a virtual assistant back in 2010. So very quickly, I was working fractional part-time, helping them start up the organization, and it just started growing tremendously. So within the first year, because I was one of the foundational employees, you know, I very quickly became a manager as we started to bring on more team members and more contractors and more clients were coming in the door, worked my way up to a manager at that point, really honing my skills on hiring people and leading people. And then over, over time, it took all those many years, probably within two years, I was a director. Year three, I was a vice president. Wow. By year five, I was a president. Then by year seven, I was the COO. And then in 2020, January 2020, so a year and a half right now, I've been the CEO. My dream was never necessarily to be the CEO of the organization. I didn't have this dream 10 years ago, like, oh, one day I'm going to be the CEO. Because I never envisioned that the owners would not be the CEOs at the time. But I did have goal. I always had a goal to get to the next level. And so if I was... A manager, I wanted to be, I strive to be a director. When I was a director, I wanted to be a VP. When I was a VP, I want, so I never really strive to like, oh, I want to get all the way to the top. I just knew I wanted more. I felt like I could contribute more. I feel like I was enjoying what I was doing and I could add value. I really, really loved leading people and teams and creating the processes around what those departments looked like. So I enjoyed the work. Mm -hmm. And so my goal was always to just get to the next level. So when they would ask me, you know, kind of at your annual, you know, review or whatever, you know, what's your goals for next year? What are your, what are your goals? And I would always say, Oh, it's to, it's to get to the next. You say, I want your job next time. Every time you have, I want your job. Like I want your job. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was kind of how, what, and there was a lot of, and I think a lot of people think, Oh, well, that's great. You wanted it. You got it every time, but that's not actually how it went down. I mean, I remember when I was COO um, of the organization and they would say, okay, well, what's your goal now? And I said, actually, my goal is to be CEO. Mm. And I remember the owner saying, you know, but I'm CEO and I'm not going anywhere. Mm. And I was like, I, so it was kind of like a no, right? Like, and I said, okay, well, I'm going to be the best COO there is. And I still believe that one day you'll want to exit the day-to-day business and be an owner and not the, the CEO, the face of the person running the organization. I think maybe one day you'll change your mind. And so there was time that went by there. 
you know? So there was a couple of years where I just was trying to be the best COO I could be. I tried to take as much as I could off their plate. They, they gave me opportunities to be public facing over that time, you know, and represent the brand out in the market. And then the day came, you know, the day came when they finally said, you know what, you're right. You'd be the best CEO for this organization. We will just be the owners and we're going to put you in place because you've you've proven you want it. You can do a great job. We've tested you along the way and different things. And so it came to fruition. And so it wasn't easy. And there was, you know, work that had to be done to earn trust and prove that I could do the job, but I, that's part of it too. Wanting, wanting the next job is one thing, but proving you, you are earning it is another. Yeah. In, in your experience, as you went through these, because this was pretty, I mean, it's still 12 years, what we're talking about here, yeah. this is a 12 yeah. year journey. So I don't yeah. want anybody to look at this and say, oh yeah, you know, she moved along the way. No, no, this is a 12 year journey. And it's like, yeah. it's, it, it sounds, you know, a lot of times, like when we talk about terminus growth, like we hit a million in revenue, the first, then five, mm-hmm. and then 15, a lot of people look at that. Oh, wow. You went like top up and to the right. And mm-hmm. you're like, well, nobody's talking about, like, there was a time when we didn't know if you're going to do, do the payroll. Like nobody's right. talking about yeah. like the time when we yeah. didn't hit our numbers internally that month, but that quarter, we kind of somehow made it work. And that quarter we did. So when you report quarterly, it seems like it was a straight line, but that didn't really happen week to week. Definitely didn't happen day to day. So there are all these moments of growth that that you go through the organization. We all know the growth happens when there are pains. Growth happens when there are struggles. Growth happens when you don't get what you want. Like that's really the good. Yeah. If you get what you want every time, then you're not growing at all. Like that's just yeah. being a kid in a candy shop yeah. one asking for candy. Yeah. Growth happens when when we go through these no points or the points where we don't know where it is. Walk us through the first transition when you went from being a virtual assistant, which is, by the way, the entire business model that you guys have. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for a virtual assistant, you should definitely talk to Belay and, and their team. They're fantastic at this. I've been using you guys for, for the last couple of years. And Amy is is really, really awesome. And But talk to us about the first time you actually said you went from VA, being a virtual assistant, to a manager what was the big change for you? What do you, did you have to change in your mind in order to operate differently? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is going from being the doer to being the leader of people doing. And so there's like a big mind shift there. It took some time to get like, pull my hands out of the pot and yes. stop stepping on people's toes. And and that to me is the biggest transition. And it has been at every layer, even since then is, um, you know, the higher up the ladder you go, the less you're doing. And so I, I really had a transition in my mind to say, I have to be an encourager, a teacher, a trainer, an accountability partner. My job is no longer to get the work done, which is different. And so when you're when you're responsible to support and encourage others to get the work done because you're the leader or the manager, that is a different place to be. And we have seen, we call it the halo effect. Mm. We have seen that fail miserably over time where somebody could be the best 
do were on your team and you're like, oh my God, they are hypo, they're high potential, they could be a manager. And then you put them in a manager role and they completely fail because actually they really cannot figure out how to not just be the doer because leading and managing is a completely different thing. Actually, you should be doing way less and influencing way more. And so that has been the biggest hurdle. And then even over time, like when I was a director and I wanted to be a VP, I'm still had my hands at a lot of things because at a director level here, you're still very involved in the day-to-day of a department, you know, things. And I remember, you know, my leader saying to me, like, you're not ready because you can't stop doing, you know? And so I had a very mindfully teach myself how to keep pulling my hands out of the pot and be a better delegator Mm. over time. And so for 12 years, really the journey has been about figuring out how to delegate everything. And, and at some point that literally becomes ownership of departments. We're not even just talking about delegate this task. We're talking about delegate owning strategy of things to other people. And that's big change. Yeah, Yeah, that's big change. Yeah, that got to like feel like you're giving away your baby when you actually build a department of function to get so walk through that that feeling and how do you like I, I phrase yeah. it in my way is is the the phrasing for me is letting go versus giving up. Yes. Because you you, yes. you have because I went through a personal therapy when I went from an operational role to more of an evangelist role in my organization and it felt yeah. like Oh my God, I'm failing at this. Like, I, why can't I do both? Why can't I do everything? Why can't I just do it all? Right? Like, it just that yes. that that, yes. that I, I I think you and others probably can relate to it. Is like, why am I not able to do it all? I can't. I mean, there, I can. I yeah. can push through this. And then yeah. you have to realize that you shouldn't. Not that you couldn't. Like, probably true. After a few years, you'll burn out and like you really yeah. die if you try to do all that too much. But you shouldn't, if you really want to grow yourself or your organization to grow, you shouldn't do that. You, sh- you have to let go. But it is a painfully hard process. So, so I don't know if you remember any examples of it is like where you had to like let go an entire department or let go of building a strategy that you know you created and you had your fingerprints all over it because you probably yeah. have fingerprints over so many things in the business since you have been as part of the founding team and you're like they changed that didn't they and you know and you have to look at it yeah. now okay tell me what happened here so so walk us through maybe an example that that kept you up. yeah there have been a lot of examples of that over time because i have sat in every seat so at one point or another I, i've been over probably most departments here and in the beginning is really hard and i had to get my hand slapped a couple of times <laughs> like trisha you've asked me to lead this area and so now please let me lead this area and yeah. so i think the first thing is the most important thing is put the right people on the seats in, on the bus. And so what I have found over time is when the right person is hired to lead that department and take it from me, let's say, as an example, when it's the right person, it is really easy. So, and so, so like last you. year. Yeah. When it, yeah. How's the right? How do you know that that person is the right person? Because it is your seat. It is you know, who could yeah. be better than you, right? Like it's, 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 it's the feeling of that. Like, how do you know, how do you transition to say, you know what, this is the right person? How do you, how did you make that decision? 
they're smarter than you are. They're better at it than you are. So like, for example, last year, so I, uh, before I became CEO, I used to oversee our, through management, but I used to oversee our sales department and our client relations department, which all of our account managers and all of our salespeople, all of our revenue generating parts of our business, yep. if, you're, if we're just summarizing it, right? But the sales manager we had in place was so stinking sharp mm. and so much better at thinking through how we grow the business, like tactically when it came to how she organized comp plans and quotas and motivating a team to sell. So when I got to the point where I said, I need a VP overseeing revenue for the organization as I, I step up to CEO, it didn't take very long for me to figure out that she needed to be my girl and I could very easily promote her, put her in the spot and step out really quickly and trust that actually she's probably going to do a better job than I am in that yeah. stuff. And she has, I mean, she has stepped in, took it off my plate and she is better than I would have ever been at it anyway. And mm. so I think when you're looking for people to own specific parts of your business, you're looking for people that are, are literally, they have a specialization. They're better at it than you are. Same thing with my, my um, finance team, my CFO. I mean, gosh, I will never know finance the way my CFO owns finance. And so having her lead that part of our business is so easy because she's so such the professional and, and has it. And so it's easy to not get drugged down into the weeds. So I, I think when you're looking for the right people, you're just, you're looking for the people that have a skill set that's even beyond what you have. And, and they really are the experts. And so it's so easy to let them let it go. Yeah. What's the hardest part of your job now? I think the hardest part of my job now is communication and cohesion. So we're growing really rapidly. So when I say that, I mean, um, we're hiring a lot of people monthly to sustain the growth, which is a, a gift. It is a yep. gift to be a growing organization in this economy. We're gifted to be able to serve more and more clients and be able to hire more team members to do so and afford people great jobs. It's a gift. And keeping up with that is a lot. And so really staying focused on the communication inside of our team, making sure it's on point, it's relevant, it's frequent enough, and that we never forget to always point back to our mission, vision, value, and core values. So it's, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle of the day and the week and what's happening, what projects are launching, what, how sales is doing, what marketing initiatives there are. But I constantly have to remind myself that my job is to be the advocate of our culture and our mission and to not get hung up on the details of the day, but to become the dreamer. Yeah, become the dreamer. I, you know, <laughs> this your organization, Belay, has always been remote, right? From, yes. from Damon. Yeah. So did pandemic have any impact from a culture perspective for you folks? I mean, other than the fact that, you know, you're growing and, and you're hiring more people, which is, you know, as you said, it's a gift. Mm -hmm. But because you were a remote company, do you feel you almost had an edge over like you really business as usual? Like, not, like you know, we're all still working remotely and maybe you need, you got more business because of how people looked at it. But I'm curious, how has COVID impacted your business 
and culture? Yeah, so we were lucky in that we didn't miss a beat. We just kept doing business as we did it. I mean, we didn't suffer a shutdown or a reorg or we we didn't have to figure anything out. We were able to just keep on keeping on. Yeah. Nothing really changed from an operational perspective here. Now, the one thing that I would say it was a catalyst for was during the time when COVID first hit, even though we were doing business as usual, people had a lot of feelings and still do about the uncertainty in the world and there's fear and people were losing jobs in other companies and companies were shutting down. So there was a lot of just a fear inside the organization, even though we were still strong and healthy. And so like, we just had to shift our communication to be a, a lot more empathetic to even though we may be safe here, we understand the world does not feel safe all the time. So remembering that our people aren't just our employees for 40 hours a week. They are, you know, they have whole lives outside of what they're doing for you. What did you do specifically in the organization to, to be, to have the more communication, more cohesion and more empathetic? What were some practical things that you did that, you know, you didn't, you didn't think of doing it before, but now you guys are constantly doing it and seeing results from it. Yeah. So the the biggest thing we did was we added a weekly staffing meeting. So we pulled the entire company together every Monday morning at 10 AM and we still do. We, we kept it because it was such, it was so good. Um, and it was really our state of the union of belay the world the company, what was yeah. going on everywhere. And we mandated that it, we made it mandatory. The only reason you're not there is if you're on PTO. And we mandated that your camera's turned on and you are fully engaged in your office at this very important meeting. And so we really instituted that every Monday morning and we kept it. And that's where I had the opportunity to address our entire team. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we, we agreed we were going to share the good, bad, and ugly. Everybody's an adult. We were going to celebrate the wins, every little win we could celebrate. But we were also going to be really clear about gaps that we were mm. seeing, whether it was we lost clients. You know, yeah. we were doing okay, but people, peop, other people's businesses were, were shutting down and going out of business. So we did lose clients for a few months, and that made people nervous. Yeah. And we candidly talked about it. So we agreed that we would get on every Monday and give a, an absolute truthful state of the union where we talk about all the things. And then we also agreed in that time, we would focus on one of our core values each week. So we have six core values. We would rotate them. We would celebrate a core value. And we do that in a couple different ways. But we've added things like at the end of those meetings, we call them snaps which is where everybody gets time to just give kudos and snaps to somebody else in the organization to celebrate people. So they just popcorn around and say, I'm going to give snaps to so-and-so for helping me with this hard project. And so we, we let them celebrate each other. Yeah. And that has been big. And then every other weekly staffing meeting, we share testimonies and stories about our clients and contractors. So um, we will talk about, you know, how we helped a client or how we helped a contractor or um, really stories and testimonies are a really great pointer back to our why. It reminds everybody what we're doing here in the first place. This is what we're here to do. We just came in and we were able to 
provide relief to this very stressed out, you know, CEO who needed help and we were able to do that. So it's an opportunity for us to hit on all those things and it takes us 30 to 45 minutes a week and it's the most valuable thing we do all week. Oh, wow. I love the snaps idea. I, I, I can think about like- You know like, the snap cup? Yeah. Reese Witherspoon from yes, Louis Blatt? I do, I do, I do, I do. <laughs> I love it. I even, uh, I even remember like one of the events where- instead of like this uh, awkward clap and stuff like that, that, you know, you don't know when to clap and how long to clap and all that stuff is like, either you just do one clap, uh, you know, whenever there's a good, all right, legend, that was awesome. Clap and move. Like, so that allowed everybody to participate, but not to like this awkward, somebody's clapping longer than the others. Like you, you didn't have any of that stuff. So I love that. All right. I'm, we, we went way longer than, than I would normally do, which is, which just means this is, this is good. Conversation. So I'm going to give a couple of things that I took away. And then I want you, Trisha, to end with a challenge, uh, because that is okay. one thing that we want to do through this podcast is get people to take action. It's, it's yep. great to see a conversation, great to hear some great stories, and it is about uplifting and that's awesome, but nothing really happens in world and life without taking action. And, and you are a prime example of that. So Number one, I love that you you talked through the, the dreamer doer driver and you said that you transcended yourself from being at whatever level you were. And I don't want anybody to come out of this thinking, oh, I'm a doer, so I'm not good enough or I need to be no. There are CEOs, like in your case, for example, they're doers and drivers that actually ends up becoming the CEOs. Dreamers typically start companies, but doers and drivers are the ones who actually end up leading the company. And I think, again, you, you're, you're a great, great, great case study for that. So, so that's fantastic. Just remember, so ask yourself this question, are you a dreamer, doer, driver? What does that mean? What do you need to do in order to get better at it? And each one of those roles comes with their own high points and low points. That's one. Two, you mentioned about the fact that as you moved in the ranks, you had to figure out of doing less. And that might be really nerve-wracking for some people who are like, hey, I, I know how to do stuff and I know I know how to do it the best way and the right way. And a lot of times we talk ourselves into it and you were open talking about it. And thank you for sharing that, that your hands got slapped a few times to say, hey, you know, you, you need to stop doing that. And that is that takes courage to accept that and let go of it. But I've not seen any leader advance in their career unless they learn how to let go. And, and that is that you shared that in more than one ways. And the third part, as you build teams, you're talking about the fact that, and we all heard this and I've seen and getting the right people in the bus, but recognizing that they're smarter than you and, 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 and celebrating that with them and then giving them in, and putting them in the positions to be successful is a big it's, it's a big deal. I, I don't I don't know how we else can can emphasize and underscore that that takes a lot of time and understanding and empathy to to recognize that oh that person is better than me I need to give them this position and guess what when you do that that's how you move up so the the mm -hmm. idea to the, you, I've never seen anybody who's too busy ever get promoted like ever <laughs> you know if you come in like ah, yeah. my head is on fire i don't know what to do i'm so busy like i walk away from that person like i'm not giving this person another task and in your case as you've grown too it's like it's not that you were not busy ever but you're always hungry and open for newer opportunities and your your art of delegation that you talked about continue to excel that allowed you to move up so 
Don't be too busy because if you're too busy, you will never get promoted in your career. It's just nobody yeah. likes to promote a busy person. They want to promote a person who's hungry and capable to handle more or delegate more. Rather might go to your team leader and say, hey, I need another person to do this because I want to do more and better. And that that is the art of moving up. So some of those are just something that I took away and I, I always write notes around this to, to keep up with it. More of that will be in a blog post and stuff. So as we close, Trisha, give us a challenge. Give us a challenge to the people who are listening who, are, who want to lead and who want to be in a leadership position. And what is the one thing that they can take action on or do? Yeah, I think I would say is that the first thing you should do is, is speak it out into the world and tell your supervisor or boss that you desire that. to move up in the ranks. I mean, you most people have fear in even just saying they want to be promoted. So, hey, I, I, have the, I have desire to do more. I want the opportunity to lead one day. What do I need to do? I mean, go to your boss tomorrow. Yeah. Um, the next thing I would say is really challenge yourself to be open to what is it that you have to do differently? And so it's like we talked about from going from being a doer to a driver. You're not stuck in any bucket. Your skill set is only as limited as your ability to invest in your skill set. There are things you don't know how to do. If you don't know how to dream, you don't know how to plan, you don't know how to lead, go learn that thing. I mean, professional development is your responsibility. So I would say, what's the next book you have to read? Who's the next mentor you need to find? What is the action you're going to take so that you are ready to be in that next seat when the next seat becomes available? Love it. On fire. I love this underscore. Mm -hmm. Speak it out. Speak it out in the world so the world Put knows it, it. You know it and speak it out uh, loudly enough. Trisha, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Sangram. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.